Welcome back to the Skewered Universe podcast. My name is Jeff, and there's no Leanne with me this time around, but I do have a special guest because we are in our Director Spotlight series, and first off, we are doing Guillermo del Toro, a fascinating director with a fascinating filmography, and joining me from the Jacked Up Review Show podcast is Cameron Sullivan. Cameron, how are you doing today? Very good, dude. And thank you so much, Jeff. You've, you've covered it all. You've covered a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> sections. You've done so many documentaries. And uh, it was funny. We were all going back and forth in the group chat. It's like, okay, which filmmaker spotlight are we doing this month? Okay, this is bad. Let's do this one in front of that one. <laughs> so here we are. There was a shortage of hands on the Del Toro one. So I just figured, hey, I'll, I'll help talk about one of the more mainstream ones he's done. And whether it's an indicator of his earlier work, award-winning work, or just more popcorn. And I appreciate you coming on. This is this has been something I've been wanting to do for a while is get people on to talk about Del Toro. Because there's so many people who appreciate his filmography. And the fact that you grabbed Pacific Rim... I appreciate it because I wasn't sure anybody was and I thought I was going to have to pivot to another movie. We always thought alien life would come from the stars. But it came from deep beneath the Pacific. What the hell is going on? The first kaiju made land in San Francisco. The second attack hit Manila. Then the third one hit Cabo. Then we learned this was not going to stop. In order to fight monsters, we created monsters of our own. We needed a new weapon. The Jaeger program was born. Two pilots, our minds, our memories, connected, and man and machine become one. Today, at the edge of our hope. of our time we've chosen to believe in each other today we face the monsters that are at our door today we are canceling the apocalypse It is pretty cool. Pacific Rim. It's really hard to, I have stuff where I made the promo images ahead of time and they've been in the can for like three years now. And I'm like, I want to update that image already because it just had a new installment. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I've been going through and like tweaking, you know, the podcast artwork and logos to get new stuff on there. Make sure I have, you know, trying to find quite different movie posters to share around that maybe people haven't seen. 
a region like inter- international yeah. if i can find yeah, <laughs> yeah stuff like that to make it a little more interesting so it's not just the same one everyone's seen with some it's a little more difficult you can't really find it they're all the same I always give everyone a disclaimer. If we're going to talk about their entire filmography, just try to see as many of their films as you can. Hell, at least watch one or two of their art house movies or underseen films. So I'm not the only weirdo who's the completest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I get that. I totally understand that. So again, the hardest I appreci- part is when you tell them about their lowbrow part of their career. And it's like, well, they're a big filmmaker. They're going to have someone who likes a movie they're not even proud of. Yeah. Sorry, it's kind of like, no, no, no. It's kind of like when some people talk about Peter Jackson and they're like, oh, King Kong, Lord of the Rings. Like, but have you seen Dead Alive? Yeah, bad taste. Or or bad taste. Under yeah. Sam Raimi, Joe Dante esque or sci fi action comedies. <laughs> yeah. They bring it up. They're like, what's that? It's like, oh. oh, we got some work to do, honey. <laughs> I have to show you something. Now, whether this means we're still friends afterward, we'll find out. But <laughs> there's that. It gets. Sam Raimi was actually the most fun I had introducing people because I thought everyone was familiar with like all parts of his resume, his horror comedies, his superhero action movies or mm-hmm. his crime mystery, you know, dark fantasy films. And sure enough, most people had only seen the first part of his career. I'm like, seriously, I thought everyone had seen, you know, a simple plan or dark man, but no. <laughs> And see, those are those are holes in my filmography, but I know of them. I know what he did. I know that you know some of the history around it. So I definitely know he time. did it. Yeah. So I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Man was one I just never. It was always on TV, and I was like, "Oh, I got to catch this from the beginning at some point," and never got around to it. So I'm sure it's on one of the streaming services. I got to check it out soon, anyway. Because I'm sure that's, at some point we'll do a Sam Raimi. It's it's now spoiling us to now we're like now we really don't have an excuse to have not seen it because now it's not at the back of the video store shelf now it's in front center row on all the streaming sites exactly exactly so before we get into the movie pacific rim i want to know what's uh some of your experience with del toro what like is he what is like is it a favorite director of yours or is it someone you just appreciate the work of uh he's a half and half i know that's a hot take but i so I was a fan since saw the first two Hellboys in theaters. Then I backtracked, you know, I stole mm-hmm. Blade Two, and then uh, Mimic was on TBS every other Sunday. Um, and you know, I he was kind of one of those. He was the, I guess you could say, the second wave of Spanish directors and Mexican filmmakers making a living in Hollywood, uh, uh, following uh, uh, Alfonso Cuarón and Robert Rodriguez and uh, by Pan's Labyrinth, that's when everyone was like, okay, whoa, whoa. Now he's mixing Lovecraftian stuff of his earlier work in with all these dark fantasy and award-winning ideas. Okay. and uh, But yeah, Pacific Rim, I guess you could say, was like the fifth stage of his career. I can agree with that. I can and, totally agree with that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very keen on his visuals and ideas. Uh, the CGI and uh, plot twists don't always work for me, but I don't ever feel like he's offending the viewer. I I know he kind of had a falling out with like Universal and he was attached to the Hobbit, but then it's like he didn't even want to work on it. So it's just he's kind of back to doing his own abyss of whatever he wants to do now. Right. And that's that seems to be a pattern. I think they get him in for one and then his vision isn't ultimately what the studio might want. He doesn't suffer fools. So 
if you piss him off in a meeting, he will roast you on the variety or Hollywood reporter. You know? <laughs> yeah. Cause I know with mimic, they just kept like, well, it needs to be this. I know it wasn't all his ultimate vision at the end. Yeah. Even and I saw the, the movie. And, yeah. Yeah. And I saw the movie. I was like, okay, I enjoy this, but I wonder what it could have been. Had they just let him do exactly what he wanted and not put the studio handcuffs on him. Like, so like they do with so many directors. Do you feel like more, I mean, Conan O'Brien's my avatar here. I've always <laughs> heard how he would do that with his producers where he would convince the producers, hey, my weird idea is actually your idea. And mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that many filmmakers could actually do. Is like, just let these hotheads with money just let off some steam or pretend to be complicit, even though you're not going to do anything, any of the notes they've just given you. Instead of because it seems like many of them will pull a Michael Chimino where they will keep pretty much just blowing off the suits until mm-hmm. they finally say, okay, enough. We're now taking it away from you. Right. And I don't know how much of it is they did say yes, and they still got it taken away from them. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's just so pretty history. much unless your name is Scorsese or Spielberg, you get your movie interfered with. Yeah. It's and it's it's not to go to completely off topic here, but it's kind of like what happened with uh, Schumacher and oh yes, Batman. Got to make a toy. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be toys. It's got to be released by this time. We got to have multiple villains. He's like, okay, well, fine. And they got to be campy as all get out, but too campy for its own good. What? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I. I just watched Batman and Robin the other day, not to talk about that, but I feel it's it's along the lines of the 60s TV show if you gave yeah. it a bigger budget. It's, that's basically it. what it yeah. is. That's how it's I like, took it as. It was just, we were in a different time frame, so no one really had that patience anymore, I think. Yeah. If you look at it, you've got the Keaton versions with Tim Burton directing that are one universe. Then you got Val Kilmer in the mid- there, and then you got the George Clooney version. So they're all separate to me. Like, oh, you're right. different. Before we were adapting TV shows or doing spinoffs of remakes and all this very confusing abyss. Uh, and uh, I know Lorenzo de Bonaventura talked about a bit of that and The Matrix and just said that Warner Brothers marketing has always been a mess before he went and formed his own studio in the Superman Lives documentary. Yeah, I can uh, I can see that. Warner, Warner Brothers, is uh, <laughs> they've not been... Uh received too well lately for a lot of decisions mm-hmm. they've been making so do you th- what do you think max is going to change his name to next and is it going to be more times than prince <laughs> the streaming service formerly known as max i am yes. not sure <laughs> i don't i don't mind the rebranding of it i was like okay fine i get it what kind of killed me was they're like hey we have a whole new app and it's a whole new interface i'm like you didn't have to do that. You could have just changed the name. And we're canceling more. Oh, oh, and uh, we're having more reality TV because that's all this shit that people watches. What? Hmm? Huh? Yeah. It's yeah. luckily they've got enough movies on there that they haven't removed yet that I can still Hopefully get to not, and watch. <laughs> Hopefully they won't won't remove them by the time I get to watch them. Unfortunately, some of the ones are slated for later episodes of Steward Universe, yet if they leave Max, I'm going to have to find another platform to watch them. Uh, so, hopefully. 
But luckily, I've got Screenbox and Shutter as backups for the horror stuff. So there you go, <laughs> third-party sites, and uh, there's plenty of ones that I wanted to see on some of those other experimental, like mobile-only sites, and they've either sold them to Peacock or Facebook or Amazon now. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them just get just get hoovered up by these bigger conglomerates. <laughs> when I think it was Cord Cutters reported them as. We're now using these as tax write-offs. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> so nothing oh, is wow. safe anymore. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I have not seen Del Toro's recent show, uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, but I hear it's it's pretty experimental. I've watched a few episodes and huh? it reminds me a lot of well. He's got segments that remind me kind of Rod Serling introducing episodes for the Twilight Zone. But it's very much just an old school style anthology series, modern, modern uh, filmmaking techniques, of course, with CGI and stuff. But it's kind of hit or miss. Some episodes are good. Some are like, okay, that kind of fell flat. But I think that's more (laughs) on the director since he's just kind of the mouthpiece for it he's not really directing all the episodes he's just there as a host Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of filmmakers who are lesser known getting a chance to kind of let people see what they can do which i appreciate whether it's good or bad you're at least getting a major platform like netflix to showcase your work bingo uh you'll actually like hearing some of those producers and directors they got interviewed recently on dads from the crypt okay i have to check that out yeah. Uh, well, and it made sense for dads because they pretty much cover every anthology show. <laughs> yeah. And it is pretty wild, like you say, how like that's one of the few shows where unless you get permission to like direct an entire miniseries, like that's that's it. Like that that is as much freedom as you get in small screen TV business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me wonder if this was something Del Toro pitched to Netflix or if he got together and kind of got the everything hashed out. And then told them, this is what it is. And if you want it, we'll do it. Because I'd, I'd say he does have some pull being an Oscar winner now. Mm-hmm. That he's probably got some clout in the industry where he can kind of pull strings and get his own way. Possibly. I w- I think so. Uh, like, if he had, like, three other movies that underperformed, I think he would still be good for another 20 years. I don't think he's going to resort to conventions like some of the other guys where you're like, man, what happened? Did you just get burned out or did someone just really have it out for you? Yeah. He's always one of those guys that has like 9 million ideas, it seems. Like tons of things in production or ready to go at any point. Like I think he's talked about a Frankenstein movie for years now, if I remember. And I'm like, that would be interesting coming from Del Toro. I just don't know if it will ever see the light of day. His Pinocchio film finally did. Yeah. And I think it got uh, that in Geppetto is like, it's wild how they both released on like streaming. And then uh, now it's like fairy tales are popular again. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think the Frankenstein one's happening anytime soon just because, well, long story short, Tom Cruise mummy was not well uh, received or and underperformed and that was kind of the start of where the universal wanted to do and just the way they were going about it it was like you don't have to be like marvel or dc just do your own reimagining and just let the dominoes fall don't yeah people like, can see through it just the internet 
informs people more than it did in the last three decades. <laughs> yeah, it's like you you guys had something many years ago where you were able to cross over your universal properties. So it's not outside the possibility that it can be done. Just don't follow other studios' templates. Kind of go slow, do your own thing. It's a big thing why I think DC isn't able to get anything off the ground as well. Well, that goes back to Max. It's just like they yeah. are pretty much, they remind me of Activision. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, okay, so that made sense. But for those who, <laughs> I haven't played video games in a minute, but they just seem keen and just whoever their spokesperson is really knows how to be a complete D-bag. Where it's just like, uh, that did nothing. That just angered everybody. And yeah, I know Universal kind of had that with Battlestar Galactica, where it's like, hey, we don't like our sci-fi fans, but our show's actually good. We didn't think it would be good. I'm like, well, why did you even sign off on it? Freaking right. hell. I, I don't get... I mean, HBO would even do that back in the day. Where they're like, we don't care for some of our Emmy-nominated shows like The Sopranos and Sex and the City. It's like, well, then why not own it, dude? <laughs> yeah. If you don't it's... think it's going to be good, why would you even sign off on it? <laughs> yeah. It, it can even go back to like Paramount absolutely despising the Friday the 13th franchise. Yeah, they yet, removed it, right? But yet every year they're cranking out another movie. They're giving them so much money. They're like, well, we hate this franchise, but it does make money. So I guess we'll go ahead and green light another one. I, right? It I, is, where's the fun? Where's the dedication? Where's the attachment? It's why I kind of appreciated New Line and Bob Shea. He was like, "Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street totally built this place. Yeah, we're our base, our foundation is Nightmare on Elm Street. Without Freddy, we're nothing." It's like, yeah, at least you'll admit it. That's pretty much what I knew them as. Is like they were the sci-fi, dark fantasy, atmospheric horror, stylish action studio for the longest time. It's just like every other thing: Nightmare, mm -hmm. Final Destination, Blade, Lord of the Rings, and then all these other more obscure ones and just wacky comedies like Austin Powers. And so I was like, yeah, new line. That was pretty cool. Cause like they were kind of, I, I prefer that realm of Warner brothers when they mm -hmm. split up their studios, like TNT was more classier drama while TBS was more stupid comedy movies. Same thing with HBO and Cinemax. And then it's like with this same deal where it's just like, okay, so, you know, anything is more independent or, uh, lesser budget, but kind of for a specific crowd. That's that's the new line crowd. And Warner Bros. is going to do all these, you know, hard hitting, you know, legal dramas and mm -hmm. war epics. It's like okay, interesting. <laughs> but I I don't yeah. know. Everyone's pretty much buying each other out instead of splitting everyone up. Yeah, at some point, who knows what it's? I don't know who's going to acquire the next. Whether it's going to be Disney buying up somebody else or. Warner Brothers acquiring. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? We're gonna end up with like two studios. <laughs> I mean, although I do think Disney is keeping Fox Studios separate. Yeah, they still not are entirely certain. The Searchlight and the okay, other so indie stuff still pops up on Hulu, but which is a shame because some of them are really a lot of fun. But then there's others where it's just like, yeah, that got underseen because you underpromoted it, almost like Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, which I don't I don't understand the under promotion. It's like you have something, you know it could possibly make money, just promote it. We're not saying sync 
billions into it, like some of the bigger name franchises or whatever, but mm-hmm. do more than just like a, a commercial at 2 a.m. that three people saw. I would hope, man, just something because they can't do free word of mouth like with, again, anything Disney owns. Yeah, because they're all established properties or remakes that are going to make money regardless. So it's just like, uh, and I'm sure Netflix might pull a fast one with Del Toro. I hope not, but they seem to do this with everybody where they say, oops, you get two years, but we we just don't want to cancel you. We're going to cancel you just for the hell. It's like, well, at least tell us so we can ship it around. Yeah, I've heard so many with Netflix. They're like, Oh yeah, that show you like that had two seasons. Yeah, it's done. We're canceling it. They Wait, and didn't... Disney are the only ones who haven't uh, surrendered to the whole SAG strike. Yeah, that just shows you how much they value human life. <laughs> yeah, which is it's like I don't know you. As far as that goes, you need the human element. So I figured, pay the people what they deserve. You're not going to be able to just use AI or whatever to get what you want. It's not. It's not there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, without the human element, you're not going to get anything worthwhile. And you're going to get lawsuits if you keep just basically yeah, just deciding, hey, it doesn't apply to me. Heck, it's, you're you're going to say it doesn't apply to you, but then also there's going to be people going, well, wait a minute. That sounds a lot like a script I wrote that I sold to these guys over here, but I can't do anything because AI is pulling from everywhere it's learning from, which is yeah. all across the Internet. So, oh, my God. It's that's a, that's a whole other conversation we could get into. <laughs> that's not why we're ah. here. <laughs> it's all good. So, just to circle back real quick, my own experience uh, with Del Toro, I I hold him up as one of my favorite directors. Not everything he's done is great. I will say that, but the things that I like that he's done, like the two Hellboy movies, uh, Shape of Water, Crimson Peak, of course, like Chronos, Devil's Backbone. There are things about all of those that I I like, and you can see his style throughout all of them. Mm-hmm. And this to me, Pacific Rim is just a popcorn fun movie. This is him getting to play with his action figures, but on the big screen. Yeah, that's the way I look at that. it. Yeah. What is your experience with Pacific Rim? Like, is it something that when you heard about it, you were excited to see, or was it just something that you went, oh, "I'll go check it out"? It looks like a popcorn movie. So this was a year before Warner Brothers relaunched their version of Godzilla and King Kong. And I was just kind of on the fence. I was like, it can be either fun or it can be too much of everything. And unfortunately, I kind of went into the latter. Like, there's something for the Fast and Furious crowd and Transformers crowd. Then there's something for, there's a lot of Godzilla and Gamera homages. Right. And I feel like the graphics are performing pretty well by Industrial Light and Magic. Uh, my my issue is kind of more with the cast doesn't click. I can see that. Uh, just Charlie Hannum just has kind of been infamous for his narration and everything. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, why is he narrating? He he sounds more bored than Harrison Ford in Blade Runner. I... Yeah, there's a reason for it for with Harrison Ford. There's no reason for it with Charlie Hannum. I I have to agree with you there. Uh, now he does have. I want to keep this positive, but uh, Del Toro does have his usual partners in crime. He does have Ron Perlman as like a brainiac scientist and some other people who have been with him since day one. Mm-hmm. And you can tell it's a labor of love. I mean, it, for God's sakes, it even spawned a sequel. But um, 
Yeah. Um, there's a lot of establishing shots that kind of take 10 minutes each. And I'm like, I wonder what the reason behind that was, because it's not really suspenseful. Right. But it is, like you say, a labor of love. He's playing with action figures. Yeah, somebody gave him a ton of a ton of money to do. Well, I don't know exactly how much. I didn't see what the uh, budget was, but there had to be a significant amount of money given to this film, I would assume, to get yeah. made. And mm-hmm. it's just because I know he's a kid that grew up loving monsters and all that kind of stuff. And it makes sense that if you gave him a bunch of money, it would just be an action figure fight fest between kaiju and giant mech robots. Right. <laughs> I I don't understand the point of the Russians because you think it's going somewhere and then they kind of just stand there the rest of the time and their wigs are just like so distracting. <laughs> the bleach I, blonde. Yeah, she looked like Bridget. Uh, Nilsson from Rocky Four or something. It's exactly what I was thinking. When I, I just watched it earlier today, so I'd be fresh. At the time we're recording this, I I watched it and I was like, why did they give him these bleach blonde Dolph Lundgren Rocky Four hairdos? Yeah, I, I, your guess is as good as mine. Um, I'm not crazy about the Japanese actress uh, Raiko. I, I know she was in Babel, but like, I just have zero presence from her. Now, in fairness, this is about mind control, you know, robot jocks type uh, bots fighting giant keiju monsters. But I'm just kind of I just feel like there's just too many characters. I just would have been satisfied with like three characters and that's it. Yeah. And I, I mean, they introduced the brother at the start and he's not even, you know, he barely gets a second of screen time. And oh, my God, my brother died. I must avenge him. Yeah, it was it was very quick. We get introduced to these brothers, and then it's like, oh, well, one of them's dead now. So the other guy's gonna stop doing this. Like, wait, huh? What? It's it's that quick? Okay, where are we at now? <laughs> Here so <I'm>... far. <laughs> I wonder if it's more of a problem with the screenwriter than del toro's direction but i'm not a hundred percent certain so let's see specific rim screenwriter yeah i think the only del toro stuff is all the backstory for the monsters that that's pretty much him making a reference to camera so right. travis beecham okay what's travis beecham okay you know him from dog days of summer never heard of the tv show carnival row the remake of Clash of the Titans, and huh. he has a lot of stuff in development. So I'm very indifferent, but I'm not. It's not really cutting the mustard under. <laughs> yeah i I think they needed someone to do another pass, maybe cut out some of the stuff. Like I didn't mind the narration in the beginning; it just didn't need to be Charlie Hunnam's character. <laughs> I would have preferred if it was Idris Elba. Because that would have made that's the his, other thing. His he's, presence in the film is just so good. Like Stacker Pentecost is just yeah. it's like, okay, this is the one character of like, I need more of this guy. Yeah, he, he's very underused. Now, I've seen a lot of people compare this to Independence Day, and I don't understand that at all. Because Independence Day is kind of a clueless, trashy movie. And this isn't trying to be trashy or goofy or 
fifties inspired. I wouldn't say. No, I I think those comparisons come directly to the fact that Idris Elba is giving a speech. Okay, like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I can kind of see it, but Independence Day is one of those shut your brain off, don't look at, don't try to pull at any of the threads you see on screen because the whole thing's gonna fall apart. Whereas Basically, this, this is a little, little better than that. It's, it's a different animal than Independence Day. Mm-hmm. film wise <laughs> yep i mean there's still threads you can pull and things will fall apart but del toro didn't look at this and go well we're trying to make a highbrow thing or hey we're trying to make an homage to this so it's going to be cheesy and trashy he was just like i will kaiju. give you that yeah i think it's like abrams. it's kaiju and robots <laughs> definitely it's not like jj abrams where i'm gonna just literally take everything from the 90s and not even do my own take on it this is like that it's not there's nothing lazy (laughs) yeah the regurgitation of things yeah um if anything yeah i think it's just a little too many cooks in the kitchen but it's mainly i think he was doing this just so he could again do the movies he really wanted to do which are the dark Mm -hmm. fantasy dramas like pan's labyrinth and uh shape of water so yeah it's kind of a half interested movie if you will (laughs) Yeah, I put this along the lines of something you do, kind of like when he did Blade 2. Like, okay, if I do Blade 2, I'm going to get something else later. I'm going to be able to do something I want to get done. So I'll do Blade 2, and this is like, okay, I'll do Pacific Rim, and then I'll be able to do something later that I really want to do. So it's like that director for hire, but I get something on the back end out of it if this does well, so. Bingo. And that's not to put down Blade 2, because I do love that movie. Oh, totally. Yeah, uh, it still holds up, I think. Yeah. yeah, and funny thing, I noticed that one of the guys in Pacific Rim, who's running the shop where they're selling like the kaiju bone powder and the brain parts and all that, <laughs> that guy was one of the bad guys in Blade 2. Yes, yes, and he was. I don't remember that until watching it this time. I think I pointed out the first time I saw this. Isn't he also the bad guy in Hellboy? Carol Roden? No, it's a different guy. You're right. It's, no. it's the one asshole from Blade 2. Yes. Yeah, he was the uh, the one that he ended up catching later in like the uh, the porno. Yes, that, that's yeah. that sleeves bag. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. And I think he's like a comedian or something. I'm not entirely I, I think so. Correctly. I believe he's a comedian, and Del Toro was like, "Yeah, you can totally come. You should be in this he almost, movie." He even looks like a doppelganger of Del Toro at times. It's like, is this Del Toro if he were a goofball making a cameo? It does. That does make sense. I never thought about that until you said that, and yeah, it does make sense. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Del Toro is a nice guy. I'm like all the same guys. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard anything bad about Del Toro, and I really hope there's nothing that comes out bad about him because that would. We, really, yeah, we don't need suck. our hearts broken by yeah. anybody. <laughs> so for anyone that hasn't seen this, I'm going to give a quick synopsis. So basically, there is a rift that happens through the shifting of tectonic plates. It opens up a breach under the Pacific Ocean. Alien kaiju start invading the surface. The only way to confront them and to fight them off is the world has to unite together and create these giant mech suits called Jaegers or Hunters to fight the Kaiju. And Ken Watanabe says, let them fight. Oh, wait, wrong movie. Sorry. <laughs> so that's that's a basic 
basic synopsis of this movie. There's there's really not a whole lot to it. There's not a it's not a plot heavy film. No. I think they try to give us some some deep moments with the female character's background, how she was saved by Stacker as a little girl and there's a bit of that, like, yeah. It's like, okay, we didn't need as much as we got, probably, but I get what they were going for, trying to give us that connection so we feel a little more emotionally invested. But I think Idris Elba kind of got us emotionally invested in his character on his own. Yeah, he's he reminds me of Mickey Rourke in The Expendables. Is like, he's too good for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, like watching it again, I was just like, you are acting everybody. <laughs> yes. I'm like, you might be chewing scenery at this speech, but you've outacted everybody. <laughs> and that's just because I appreciate what the guy has done and I like the movies he's been in, but you know. Yeah. He's definitely a plus of this. I will say, content wise, I'm kind of disappointed by the fights being in the dark. I just cannot make out too many of them. <laughs> I have glasses on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I, they chose to have it in the dark other than to make it spooky, I guess. That or maybe they were figuring hide as much of the CG that might not look as clean as possible by having them fight in the rain and in the dark mm, constantly. Predicting outdatingness, I guess. I, yeah, but some of the shots we get of the kaiju up close, even when, even through rain, some of the kaiju shots, they're clear enough. The CG does hold up even 10 years later. That that is saying something. <laughs> I mean the the Jaegers a little bit here and there. It's like okay, it looks a little still like sometimes they don't feel like there's a whole lot of weight to them. And then other I think times they did that deliberate like... to show how kind of like how your brain kind of lapses and has like kind of a brain fart. Like mm-hmm. the it's taking a minute to sync up with your brain. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit. I don't know. <laughs> no, that. That could very well be. That does make sense because we all we've all experienced that moment, so it would make sense. <laughs> yeah, I think you summed I'm... up most of it. I, 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 it's pretty much what you see is what you get. Yeah, there's not a whole lot. I do like the idea of the scientists trying to drift with the kaiju brain to learn more <laughs> about that part. He's like, well, if two people can, because the whole concept is two people have to run these mechs because it's too much of a strain on one person so he's like well wait if two people can drift and connect mentally to run the machine why couldn't a human connect with a kaiju and figure stuff out (laughs) and that's when the whole thing just goes crazy yep as ron perlman's character tells him it's a two-way street you've opened up a path now because if they're a hive mind they see what you're seeing they know where you're at. They're coming to get you. So it was kind of yeah. like, oh, now the kaiju are like, oh, we know where to attack. As now opposed you... to just surfacing and going, not sure where to go. Basically it. <laughs> so I, I did think that was pretty cool, like trying to get into the head of the monster and how they could figure out how to close the breach. As far as the drama amongst all the pilots, it's like, eh, it's it's fine. It's not the best, but it's fine. Again, a little Star Wars there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in even in the very beginning, and it had to be intentional. The two brothers, um, the one that dies tells, was it Raleigh? I think it's his name. Hi. Tells him, hey, kid, don't get cocky. 
I was like, really? We're doing that? Okay. All right. I hope you pay Disney the royalties now for that, because I'm sure that line is very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? Are we pulling that line? Okay. I guess that's where we're at. <laughs> it is I mean, something. Yeah, at least there wasn't a lot of it egregiously done where they were stealing lines for other movies, but a lot of the drama, I, the interplay amongst the pilots, the father and son, and then, oh, I, I don't like you just because you couldn't cut it earlier. I don't like, like that's, you. <laughs> it's almost like every other movie we've seen where somebody comes back and somebody's like, hey, I've got a problem with you, but I don't really know why I have a problem with you, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just angry anyway. <laughs> yeah, just going to be a dick about it, like, Okay, guess that's guess that's what we're doing here too. <laughs> no, there's a lot of stuff I would have changed or excised, but I still have fun watching it. There's still fun elements to the movie. Yeah, as long as you're kind of just like, hey, this is mainstream Del Toro as opposed to retro Del Toro. I mean, same thing with Peter Jackson. You know, I love Lord of the Rings, right. but I. Half his fan base doesn't really seem to care for free hour fantasy epics and they want him to return to some of his early stuff. So I think Sam Raimi and Joe Dante seem to still kind of be that side of the coin where they're doing both what the audience wants, the studio wants, and what they want. Yeah. I mean, Sam Raimi was doing the Spider-Man films and then he just goes, oh, hey, here's Drag Me to Hell. Oh, yeah. Wait, Doctor well, Strange 2 sorry, is like what? my favorite both of his and of Marvel. Oh, Doctor Strange too. I've seen it like four times. I'm like, this is fantastic. It's something for everybody. It's it comedic, is. It's terrifying. Oh. It's it's uh bizarre sci-fi, you know, cerebral stuff. Kind of like this. This movie does some of that. It. The, I will give them yeah. that. I, I applaud the cyberpunkish kind of designs. You know, it is totally a Matrix. You know, Jack in. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's the feeling I got from watching this again. I was like, this is very matrix is just it's not a lot of green there's a lot more neon going on yeah i'll um, say i i like the kaiju design the fact that one even though they're all kind of reptilian looking there's the one that moves basically like king kong yes there is yep and i was like you don't look like king kong but you're king kong essentially that's that's what it was and totally uh what did you think of the sequel I have not seen the sequel. I have only heard that it's really not worth checking out. So I've just kind of put it on the shelf to check out at a later date. I dug the ideas, but once again, the characters kind of still kind of suffer. Okay. I think that was also written by the same. Uh, that was also written by Travis Beecham. Uh, I'm just seeing a based on characters by, but I'm sure they took some of his deleted scenes and ideas. Uh, the fights are good in that one, but okay. And like this movie, it avoids feeling it's kind of like District 9, where it's both trying to be for the loud crowd and for the mm -hmm. highbrow crowd and walking that fine line. <laughs> yeah, try, try to split the gamut, but maybe not quite nailing what they want to do. Kind of like, I mean, you kind of get that even with even acclaimed blockbusters like The Terminator and Godfather, dare I say. There's going to be as many people who watch it mindlessly and are entertained versus ones who are invested in the story and are analyzing all the editing, camera work, themes, you know? <laughs> exactly. There's sometimes where I'll watch a movie and I'm like, oh, that doesn't quite look right. And then I'll watch another movie that people will pick apart and I'm like, eh, it's just fun to watch. 
it's you know the, everyone's got their thing that they're gonna do they're gonna watch something with an analytical eye or they're gonna watch something with a fun eye yeah all i can say is unfriend that snob who won't shut up in the back seat <laughs> next to you and you'll be fine <laughs> Because uh, you you will get that every once in a while you get someone who's taking every movie like they're oblivious to genre changes and tropes. They want everything to be this pedigree or that pedigree, and it's like uh, no, <laughs> you should be judging it based on what this genre typically does. Not I want everything to be like Howard's in or <laughs> I don't know uh, the Deer Hunter. And it's like you're not going to get that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I didn't go into Pacific Rim expecting Lawrence of Arabia. Oh hell no! Because so. <laughs> how get but Lawrence to its credit, that's kind of the start of kind of both the art house crowd mixed in with the epic crowd, right? <laughs> so I don't know how you do that nowadays because it seems like you still split people. We've seen. I do think war and westerns movies are hard to come by because, again, you still get a generation who hasn't growing up watching them movies or TV in that genre. So they're not always sure what to think Mm -hmm. or they find it original when really it's just, it's kind of like the crime shows. What part of this crime have we not already seen? And does that find its own purpose or is it really just held up by the directing and acting? And it's just kind of a still mystery. Right. I don't know till I take the plunge. (laughs) Yeah. At a certain point, I know a lot of people who are like, I don't know oh. why I had an unintentional pun there. <laughs> Plunge. Uh. You know, it, it happens. It Plunge. happens. <laughs> yeah, I know there's a whole generation of people who just haven't seen Westerns. and They're like, I don't know. It's like, go well, at least check out a few. I haven't seen that many, but I'm trying to get around to seeing a lot more. You tell them, hey, Breaking Bad is a neo-Western. You're like, what does that mean? I'm like, ah. Oh. Lord, we got something to do here. Neo-noir, character study. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Old school I, actor and lighting test. <laughs> yeah, I look at it as everything you're getting that's modern, that people are like, oh, it's so original. If you start <laughs> diving, you, you, you dive deep enough, you're going to see like, oh, this is just this. Yep. Like uh, we, everyone like who James- was like, Star Wars is original. It's like, well, Lucas already mm-hmm. said what his inspiration was, so. Yeah. James Mangold, same deal. You want to dissect his work? He's pretty much inspired everything from the bicycle thief to Leon the professional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone takes something from somewhere. So you're going to watch something and go, oh, I wonder if they did that because of this. And then you look into it, you're like, oh, for sure they did. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, it's very rare when something goes. And is very similar to something and is unintentional. There's that too. Uh, half the time I wonder if they just want to do it just to spite other people. I can like, see that, I, yeah. Because like uh, Josh Hawley, who the former host of West Wing Weekly, uh, talked about his award-winning script for, uh, well, award-nominated script for History of Violence and how he would keep sneaking in references to Unforgiven, a movie that director David Cronenberg was not fond of but failed to see the comparisons. I mean, I tell you or any other film buff that where you're going to be like, yeah, complete similarities, an anti-violent movie with a hardened gun. Who's a villain turned protagonist, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Having to fight people from his past. That's a total, totally transcends, totally 
flows, but uh, some people I think are just so close to their project that you can tell them anything and it's going to go one ear out the other. Yeah. It's, some of them are unable to take a step back and kind of take somebody telling them like, Hey, you know, remove yourself a few steps, kind of st- take a step back and see what I'm telling you here. Some of them are just so like, <laughs> Nope, this is my project. I'm doing it my way. And a lot of times to the detriment of what they're trying to do. Yes. And that's not, that's not to, to shit on Cronenberg. Cause I like a great deal of his work, but sometimes it's directors get a little too, how do I want to say this? Uh, their egos are a little too big. So they fail to step back and allow other people to kind of give them the criticism they might need to There's that. maybe yeah. realize something or to see a similarity in something that they're filming, like you were mentioning. And kind of go with that. I, I'm definitely getting sick of my sister responding to every other bit of clickbait. Uh, is like so and so doesn't like superhero movies. I'm like, yeah, and they burned it. They can say whatever they want. Like I know Dennis Vanov and Neil Blomkamp got into a war of words. Dennis V hates them. Nils like fuck you. I love them. I was my sister wanted me to pick a side. I'm like they're both right. Yeah. That's their opinion. I love them both. And. She tried doing it with Jane Campion and Scorsese. I'm like, oh, Lord, don't you dare say a bad thing about Campion or Scorsese. (laughs) You don't have to like their movies, but come on. I mean, if George Lucas or Spielberg got a sour remark, would anyone say anything? Come on. (laughs) Exactly. Like with Scorsese, he had his thing, and I heard people getting so up in arms. And I was at first I was like, well, wait, why would he? And then I looked into it, I'm like, well, he has a right to an opinion like everyone else. So what does it Bingo. matter? And what does it matter? Paul Schrader and William Freakin and, you know, rest in peace. And uh, even Oliver Stone hate a lot of today's movies. So I'm like, well, that's why they're so good at what they do. They can't stand today's movies. So they do their own special kind of movie that keeps kicking ass and keeps getting acclaim. So what's the problem here, guys? Yeah, they're they're not complacent. They don't like something. They're like, I'm going to put something out there that's different that people will like and isn't what I perceive to be cookie cutter, mass produced stuff for the masses. Mm-hmm. Oversaturated, nothing. nothing yeah. yeah. And I, I still like the Marvel stuff. I mean, yeah, is there a lot less good than there has been? Yeah, of course. But everyone has like a favorite because, least favorite. I mean, yeah. I saw this with some of the Star Trek fans where we were kind of having a coming to Jesus moment where we were realizing, wow, half these people who are fans have been asleep at the will this whole time thinking it was just a cool, sexy space cop show. (laughs) When all these other ones are kind of doing, again, all these social commentary, they're doing the same thing, but it's different enough to where people are complaining. And it's like, well, that's kind of the point. It's just like everyone has their own favorite version of the Twilight Zone. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And it's funny because even going to comic books when people are like, oh, leave the leave the social commentary out of my comics or out of Star Trek. It's like, it's been there from the beginning. Did you not realize? Yeah, you might disagree, right. but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always been there. I don't see people complaining about how, I mean, sometimes the change is necessary. The, would Captain America have worked if he was oblivious to the fact that he's being used as a propaganda tool? I doubt it. Yeah. He would be in just as complacent as the propaganda. <laughs> exactly. And that's, yeah. And 
I don't know. I think some people just like to live with blinders on. And when you kind of take them off for a second, they realize they're like, yeah, put them back get on. Depressed and it's like, well, you kind of can't avoid the news here, guys. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's exceptions to everything. I mean, everyone's I notice is iffy on Ready Player One. And I'm just kind of like, well, here's the thing. You don't have to like the book, but the movie's a whole different story. Spielberg's even referenced in that book. He wasn't even trying to adapt the book. He was trying to do his basically the ideas in a Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I haven't I haven't read the book or seen the movie yet, so I I do not have an opinion. I can't speak on it, and that's that's where I stand right now. Because I I try to do that because I've heard people that go, well, I haven't seen the movie and I haven't read the book, but based on other people, here's my opinion. I'm like, you can't. <laughs> Long story short, yeah. I agree with both parties. I agree that the book is not good. I also agree with critics that the movie is a lot of fun. So that there says a go. lot because I saw the trailer and I was like, um, this is not the kind of Spielberg I like. I'm seeing just mindlessness and 80s rock playing. Uh, this doesn't seem like there's any content. And then sure enough, I see it. And it seemed like kind of like Free Guy. It was just a fun kind of computer hacking slash virtual reality of uh, Uh, Had it not had the main character discovering his humanity within a machine, it would have probably been lost to time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the book is pretty much just, look at this, I'm Roger Rabbit, I'm jumping page to page, encountering pop culture icons. Not very theatrical. And that's what I've heard, so I'm like, okay, I can probably skip reading the book. Because I didn't (laughs) know the book even existed until the movie was coming out. I was like, huh, I wonder what that book is. And then people I know had read it. And they're like, well, look, here's kind of what the book's about. There's not a whole lot to it. I'm like, oh, I okay. mean, that's how it is for anything. I've heard that even the case with other movies uh, that are based on books. I heard that he in the heat of the night is kind of a boring book. <laughs> not really much of a page turner, but it's a great oh. movie and show. So <laughs> you're going to get that anywhere, anytime. I mean. Yeah, And there's plenty of movies that you look at their scripts and you're like, that's such a generic script. But someone saw something in it at a certain page. Maybe it was just because of how they described the main cowboy or the villains. I mean, practically all of Die Hard and Beverly Hills Cop had a mixture of improvised and vague characterization where they filmed enough like five different mm-hmm. endings so they could make sense of and cover up any plot hole due to filming out of reverse chronological order (laughs) right right and that that's that's kind of smart that they would do that and i mean you mentioned beverly hills cop with eddie murphy i'm certain there was so much improvisation they're like okay now can we get some with the actual lines yeah the director was nervous because he had not even directed anything with shootouts before so he's like i'm not an action director so i'm gonna have to trust the stunt guys to and camera guys to point the cameras this way (laughs) It, hey, then you know what? It all came together because I still enjoy that movie to this day. Absolutely. I, I can't even believe it's improvised, much like Super Troopers. I'm like, that was improvised? Not not a single line of dialogue. And so when I see people saying improvised movies suck, I'm like, well, depends which ones have you seen. Yeah. You can't tell me Trading Places followed a whole of its script. <laughs> There's no... with. I'm going to say with Eddie Murphy on set, there's probably a lot of movies that haven't followed a lot of the script. Yeah. Whether remember, be it good or bad. Exactly. I, I remember hearing uh, how Will Smith had a personal screenwriter who would rewrite 
and tailor all the dialogue in every movie he did to his preferences. Huh. Uh, uh, the Rock and Jamie Foxx now have in their claws that they cannot die on screen. Oh, which on. is going to be kind of killing the suspense there. But hey, that's that's their forte. That's what they do. So, I mean, I'm sure and I don't mean to be politically incorrect. I'm sure even back in the 70s and 80s, I'm sure half these tough guys had a clause saying I won't play a victim or a LGBTQ character. I'm sure someone even more sensitive said I will not do a whitewash role, you know? Right. Uh, and now it seems like everyone's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, hey, you did a hell of a job on the accent, but oh, you're not Russian, so you suck. I'm like, <laughs> it's like he was hired because he was a very convincing Russian, even though he's not Russian. I don't yeah, know. there's there's a lot of things people get angry over. Like, I don't know, just even you know, backlash over what was it, the most recent adaptation of The Little Mermaid Disney did to live action. The backlash over casting Ariel. Like, yeah, I I saw so many people from both sides of the coin making jokes about that. I'm like, stop, just stop. I'm not going to see it because I don't like to support the remake train, but do not tell me it's going to suck because there's a colored person in the lead. Yeah, just shut up. It's, it's a like fantasy. The the day, it's a fantasy fairy tale story. It doesn't matter. Exactly. It's all BS. At the end of the day, it. You do not change. I mean, I don't know why. Half the time people are oblivious to how they're getting worked up on something. I'm like, like, for instance, sometimes they they want to be angry about the wrong things. Like that awful, forgot, forgettable Peter Pan movie with Hugh Jackman. It did mm-hmm. not suck because of the like quarter of a Navajo gal playing Tiger Lily was cast. It sucked because it was incomprehensible, poorly edited, and very confusingly done. <laughs> yeah, I I tried to watch that. And I turned it off. I was like, I just cannot get into this. Absolutely, he he looks like he's about to burst into the song too, which kind of made it intentionally <laughs> funny. But I, it just it wasn't even trashy enough. In a, I mean, we're even looking at other movies and shows that people are trying to even kind of act like they're incomprehensible. I'm like, no, no, the plot makes sense. It's just problematic. Mm-hmm. Like I saw Showgirls on VH1 back in the day, and so I didn't get distracted by all the content that everyone was getting distracted by. I just thought it was a heavy-handed satire, boom, mm-hmm. which is what they intended, minus the heavy-handed part. Same thing with Battlefield Earth. It's like okay, it's trying to be like Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, Planet of the Apes. It's not. It's coming up short because there's just a lot of hackneyed scripts and too much close-ups of the actors overacting so it's very Mm -hmm. trashy much like some of these lesser superhero movies you mentioned and uh, i do think to the aerial point i do feel like there is still a lot of people doing self-sabotage it's like they want these movies to flunk so they don't do 50 more of them and i'm like well why wouldn't you want your money back yeah it's 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 I don't have any other words than to say sometimes it's just crazy to think about what (laughs) what is happening what almost got a sequel or what yeah no one thought was good but ended up being good and you're like really like hmm, okay like i just what people get worked up over sometimes i saw somebody calling out james gunn because they made cosmo the dog in guardians 3 a female but in the comics he was a male 
Oh my word. And then James Gunn goes, well, if you knew your history, the original dog in the Russian space program that dog was based on was female. So I corrected what the comics changed. I was like, bingo. Okay. He made his point and, and in a very eloquent matter, as I, it was on threads, not Twitter or X or whatever. He knows that thing a lot of now. his stuff. People don't have to like the flesh, but he is really, I think, doing a good job of handling all the studio suits and trying to make all the comic book guys happy. Now, again, yeah. it's not going to work for everyone, and he still has some Marvel connections. But I mean, you can't say he hasn't done his research or he isn't a fan and he's just taking it for a paycheck. But yeah, to that point, it does seem like half the time people will just blindly just accuse someone and it's like well what era are you referring to (laughs) exactly exactly i just i get to the point where i'm like you know what i'm just going to appreciate that people are making stuff and whether it's for me or not so be it this may be somebody else's cup of tea it's not for me like somebody may really enjoy the new flash movie i I didn't really care for it (laughs) yep essentially it's it's a mess um now, I got a cool Blade 2 story for you. I was okay. fortunate enough to interview the director of Ballistic X versus Sever. And Ooh. he talked about so many movies he was also offered and didn't get a chance. He met Joel Silver at a party, but didn't get to direct Swordfish. Uh, you know, he got fired from Ballistic, even though it was a lot of fun just working with the second unit directors who worked on Michael Mann and James Cameron Productions. And <laughs> so, like, and Lucy Liu and Banderas were awesome, but uh, he he pitched a cool like triads versus Yakuza idea for Blade 2. Really? And the, the new line is X were clueless and thought he was pitching a Rush Hour type movie. And he's like, you got Rush Hour from that? I'm pitching freaking Black Rain, you know, <laughs> you're the dragon here. You think that's a Rush Hour type movie I'm pitching? That, oh my. <sighs> so if that tells oh. you how brain dead a lot of these guys were, they're still around, I think. I think, I don't know how much and I kind of miss, don't you miss when movies and TV were kind of produced in studio? It kind of changed, I guess, around 2000. They started hiring companies to market them. Yeah. And I think half the time, those guys are just literally just fast forwarding to the first thing that gets their attention. And that's why there's all these spoilers in these movie trailers or the ending is given away or mm-hmm. you just feel like you know it already because it's just too impossible to tell apart from everything else or they took the deleted scenes which is already like fraud <laughs> you know <laughs> like don't yeah. do that so many times i've seen trailers where there's it's made up of several scenes that don't make the actual film and you're like well wait a minute where was that why was the trailer so different they're like oh yeah we used deleted scenes for the trailer yeah okay that made it seem we like a different movie <laughs> it's just marketing firms doing all this. It's why most of the movie posters now are just photos of the main characters' faces. Mm-hmm. And then whatever it is, like there's no more Drew Struzan style artistically uh. done movie posters. And I know that makes me sound so old, but I appreciate that art that went into some of those. Right. Like I actually have the speaking of Pacific Rim, I have the poster on my wall next to me here. And <laughs> It's just a fun poster. It's not just the actors. It's the mechs walking through the water with the helicopters above them flying away. There you go. And the ocean splashing. I'm like, that's that's a fun poster. 
it's just giant mechs walking through the water getting ready to fight. I'm like, I know what I'm getting into with that. You look it 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 started the, the poster thing I think started happening probably mid to late nineties. Cause look at something like I know what you did last summer. Yes. They were copying the screen poster. Screen poster. And then you have a killer with claws. You gotta get that nightmare crowd. Oh. I just miss I miss the days of walk like and I'm sure you know this. I think we're probably close to the same age going to the video store and seeing the artwork on boxes and renting on that alone. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the the video that was before we were worried, hey, did this even play at a festival or is it straight to Blockbuster? Exactly. Exactly. I'd go into the mom and pop and I'd grab a movie and like, oh, this is a weird cover. I want to rent this one. And then it turns out to be Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And I'm like, oh, go. I love this movie. Puppet Master versus, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of miss also kind of that moment of before we were judgmental on is it a highbrow or a lowbrow movie? Is like, mm-hmm. it works. It may not be your kind of movie, but it could work for any crowd, really. Right. Uh, you know, uh, technically, yes, it's a made-for-TV slasher, but it had two million extra and a award-winning stars, so it became the newest popular serial killer movie and sleeper horror film of this decade. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of is... also miss when they would actually just go to MIFED or studios or some of these other just places and there was some room for everybody and now it seems like sony and lionsgate are still the only ones that will take a chance on everything yeah like when i'm watching something and i see it's lionsgate i'm like okay you took a chance on whatever this is that i'm watching yep i mean even sony kudos to them they decided hey we know that everyone has a problem with uh what's it called uh morbius but any oh, business yeah. is good business, so we're gonna re-release it again since they might as well get that extra green from them trash talking it. Yeah, yeah. It 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 kind of worked. <laughs> it kind of worked. It too. really did. And and you might as well if you're not proud of that movie. <laughs> I mean, I I did watch it. I think it hit Netflix not long after it was in theaters, and I watched it. I was like, yeah, it's okay. I was like, it could be better. <laughs> Not digging the CGI. I would have preferred some makeup, but it's Jared Leto. He probably has a clause saying, I won't do any makeup. I will lose an extreme amount of weight to look <laughs> gaunt, but I won't do any heavy prosthetics on my face or anything. Oh, you got to, man, because half the time uh, we, we got to look at these different people and just figure out, you know, this is like, okay, are you just jumping on the bandwagon that people hate it? Or have you actually seen it and disliked it? Right. And I still got to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. I know people who will not watch something based on like three people's opinions that they read online. I'm like, I trust this guy. They're never wrong. Give it a shot. Not every, it's why I don't listen to movie critics because most of the time they like something I don't like. And they will hate something that I love. So I'm like, you right. know, we're just Half not the on time. the same page. Half the time, it's not even made for them. Exactly. Uh, but I mean, different strokes for different folks. Uh, shout out to Munson's at the movies. They do some fun actor summaries. 
uh, and kind of have to rank them based off their career, their persona, uh, choices and everything. And there's been plenty of actors I've had to defend. I'm like, hey, you guys are getting all worked up on the marketing and how this poster looks. Did you actually see the movie? You know? Right. It doesn't. And some of them are a little judgmental. And I'm like, eh, OK, you know, it doesn't have to be a superhero movie to be worth your time. In yeah. fact, I, half these actors that people say are good, I even ask them. How many? Mo- I mean, I even will do that once in a while. I'm like, okay, you're a Tom Hiddleston fan. Name a role that's not Loki, and most of them cannot name any thing he's done. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's my point. If they're, if I like an actor, it better be for more than just one role. <laughs> right. And if you've only seen him in that role, you can be like, well, I think he does a good job as Loki, but I haven't seen him do anything else. No, at like, least, at least quantify your statement a little bit. Like, tell us, hey, I haven't seen. Magic word. Hey, he said the magic word. <laughs> oh, that makes me think of Pee Wee's Playhouse. That's exactly what I was referencing. <laughs> I knew it to it. I was like, oh, I got happy for a second, then I got sad. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Oh, that one. That, that one cut a little deeper than some of the others recently. I was like, oh, man. Oh. I think it was just. That's how I was with other comedians who we lost, like Gilbert Godfrey and Richard Belzer. I'm like, see, mm-hmm. those are guys who did their job, didn't give a shit, and didn't piss anyone off. Well, if they did, it was probably in the name of comedy, but I do yeah. they they went home at the end of the day and they retired and lived a happy life versus some of these other guys who are like, Yeah, they were cool talent, but man, what a nightmare to work with behind the scene, I'm told. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Belzer... Well, people complain, then I can't say that's rumor anymore. Yeah, when Belzer went, I was like, oh, man. Then I was like, at least he single-handedly like connected every crime show we ever saw on television. Yes, the St. verse. <laughs> <laughs> All with that child looking into the snow globe. Oh, there you man. go. He talked conspiracy <laughs> theories. He was on Howard Stern, which is how he got all those crime roles, because someone heard him and said, he sounds like a cynical detective, man. <laughs> Is that an L connections roasting his pal Chevy Chase? That that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, then I think even that character of Munch, I think, showed up on Arrested Development at some point. Yes, so yes, he did. Yeah, it's like it's all interconnected somehow. I promise you, I'll get you on the Saint Elsewhere saga <laughs> ranking. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I'm, I'm actually down. I, I, will, <laughs> I will do my research. <laughs> <laughs> oh hell, I'll just make a list for you. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but yeah I'm actually surprised uh, Rubens didn't make a a Del Toro appearance because he seems you know with all those Tim Burton appearances that you would have thought would be part of the same cloth yeah you would think you would think but I'm surprised that he never actually showed up in any of them because it's very much along the same lines I mean stylistically they're very different but story wise that dark fantasy they both run Right, at the least, same. well, and at least I call me optimistic. At least I like that there are still people listening to all these filmmakers and looking up the famous movies they're inspired by. So, if Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. or Tarantino or Del Toro have a sit down, everyone's gonna still say, "Hey, I want to see the movies they're referencing, even if they're trash, even if they're overrated or not my cup of tea." You know, <laughs> they 
and you're saying yeah. okay this shot in this nolan epic is inspired by kubrick's paths of glory and tarantino of course is probably going to mention a grindhouse you know chop them up movie and oh, yeah. like what the hell <laughs> tarantino will mention something and you're like well wait i saw that it wasn't that good and he's like yeah but there's this three minute sequence of this that was just pure perfect and Perfection. it made that movie for me it's like yeah you're a film guy we get it (laughs) and i won't i won't knock him for that there's other things we can bring into question but that's not that's not here nor there right now that's not this (laughs) that is not this discussion (laughs) not not this time oh Uh, so uh altogether i i guess you give a light recommend to this Uh, i i'm just kind of on the fence on this and just kind of recommend just earlier stuff like mimic and blade 2 hellboy yeah um fun del toro like hellboy blade 2 that's if you're looking for the more fun go there if you want to watch this go right ahead just make sure you have popcorn and don't don't look too far into it for a heavy story because it's not there no (laughs) this is an over-the-top action kaiju movie that has it has a lot of action no matter how dark it is there's a lot of fighting it's just eh, it needed another pass on the script i think the screenplay could have used to be tweaked just a bit yeah but nevertheless i mean kind of like many of these filmmakers everyone's going to check out their resume anyway they just gotta be prepared for how much time they want to spend on each one (laughs) yeah exactly and del toro's got far more good than bad on his resume as in my opinion I mean, there's plenty there to go sink your teeth into, whether you want the more fun stuff or if you want to get into something that's a little more heavy, dark fantasy, like a Pan's Labyrinth or even Devil's Backbone, things like that. Uh, Pan is definitely his best visuals, I'd say, because, I mean, just with the eye trick alone, you know. Yeah. And let, having that creature basically blend his world with the protagonist's also equally traumatic world. I th- I think Pan's Labyrinth is is the highest of his films. And I know he won awards for shape of water. That is not to say I don't enjoy shape of water for what it was. Yeah. But if you're going to ask me to say, what's the best del Toro movie that you, I think you should see, it's going to be Pan's labyrinth. That seems to be kind of just the worldwide agreeable affair. Yeah. The visuals, the story, just everything about that just works. I mean, we even have, my wife has artwork on the wall from a friend of ours who did a drawing of the pale man. From that scene, so, oh, man. Yeah, I'll Damn. have to send you a photo of what it looks like because it's really it's really cool art. I bet uh, Drew Dawson would be proud. I take <laughs> it's a little more cartoony, so it's not quite right. so, but it's it's still fun. It's like caric- caricature, but All it right. still gets the point across of what it is. It's it's horror, but it's a little more like cartoony caricature. So it uh-huh. still works for me. <laughs> nice yeah nice nice <laughs> so this was this was fun i think yeah i hope you're kind of on the fan. <laughs> no this was a lot of fun i like i like the conversation we had we went a lot of places i know you're on the fence with this i say as far as pacific Rim, grab some popcorn it's one of those i i hate to say this because it sounds so bad but it's kind of a, a turn your brain off and just enjoy it movie I, I kind of hate saying that because I don't really want you to turn your brain off and not think, but this isn't a cerebral movie. You can walk away for a few minutes to go get a drink, use the bathroom, whatever. You're not going to miss a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, you don't 
want to overhype something you also don't want to just gatekeep unintentionally right. you know exactly i mean check it out man. form your own opinion you know that's ultimately where i stand form your own opinion this may be one of the best movies you've ever seen i don't know you never know exactly cameron i want to know a little bit about your show the jacked up review show i want to know what you guys do over there so give give the listeners a little bit about what you guys do over there uh, long story short we, we've been doing this since 2019 we tried to have something for everybody uh, i saw so many people kind of pigeonholing themselves and i was just like let's do a variety show let's interview everyone from fitness experts mm-hmm. to cult actors and then let's do other stuff like in pop culture like you know even if we have no experience with it let's bring a guest in and they're gonna break down this popular video game character or this beloved book series uh, you know, better yet, let's talk about this comic book that later became a movie and vice versa. And that's kind of what we've been doing a little more prepping for next season is like, hey, movies to comics. And there are so many great movie franchises that became just as equally beloved comics. <laughs> and I nice. find that a cool twist on that. You know, uh, uh, yeah. so, well, you can definitely expect us to cover all kinds of stuff like it, uh, we have done a lot of Alien versus Predator lately, but we're, we're moving into Star Trek, Terminator and robocop comics uh, there's even some blade runner ones out there that are also uh really pleasing to the eye oh nice i'm gonna have to check out because uh you said robocop and i'm like okay we'll check that yeah. out i like the robo i like the first two robocop films long story short frank miller basically took his ideas that had once again we want to talk uh studio tampering and flesh them out in comic book form okay okay i see you know, i see you know i see Nice, yeah, but yeah, nice. there was plenty of other ones too, and obviously the Terminator crossovers that I saw, I read that back in the day growing up, and I was like, "See, comics can be awesome; they don't have to just be, hey, we're just doing this to build up hype for a movie mm-hmm. or a comic that's now becoming a movie." Yeah, well, I I was a huge fan growing up of the Batman versus Predator series, so oh, I promise you will. You know what? I'm going to get you on that one. <laughs> nice, nice. Because I, I read the the first one. I have the first collected, the trade paperback, because I oh. found a buddy of mine gave me the third one. And I was like, wait a minute, I need the others. So I finally found it. It was like, I don't even know where I found it. It was a local comic book shop back in the day. They had it. And I went, okay, five bucks. Yeah, here you go. Yes. And I've read through that thing like several times. I'm like, this is the greatest. But I'm a huge Batman fan anyway, so... And then you cross it over with the Predator. I'm like, yeah, I'm oh here for Oh my it. God, you want to talk fandom. Isn't it funny how some people still get pissed off? They're like, but that character lost. I'm like, well, someone had to lose. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're going to come back to life in the next one. So what does it matter? They didn't die. It's not like Godzilla where he's just down for two <laughs> minutes and comes back next movie. There's, there's a whole race of Predator aliens out there. So when one dies, another yeah, one will right. up. So... Did anyone get angry that the Terminator killed the Predator and then all his other brethren have avenged him since then. Yeah. I was like, watch Predator 2. A bunch of them showed up to give Danny Glover an old pistol. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) No one gets angry when the alien dies. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. It just feels like someone has has just not been spanked enough or they just... (laughs) <laughs> want to just make something out of nothing they let's cry over spilled milk while we're at it exactly hmm? what does that mean exactly. 
Oh, we're not born on a farmstead. Come on, dude. Surely your grandparents could teach you what that means. <laughs> you would hope so. You would hope so. Yeah, I would hope. Oh, man. Oh, so it oh. sounds like you guys have a lot of fun with what you guys do over there. I was actually listening earlier to uh, the Weird Owl episode. I only got part way into it. Oh, thank it. you. Oh man, and I was all, I was already like, oh yeah, okay. Because I try to go back and kind of, okay. Long story short, about me, when I start listening to a new podcast, I have to go from the beginning and then catch up. So hey, it's even enough. like with watching a movie series, it's. I hope we evolved. <laughs> it's a very weird thing, but I put on the Weird Al episode. And I was having a lot of fun with it. like, well, it's talking about UHF and his parody movie about, uh. Oh my gosh, I I completely forgot what you guys just uh, said. What yeah, are they called? Weird, uh, the Owl story. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a complete parody of all the recent music biopics and thank and, you, and biopics. That's yeah. biopics. That's what I was. I completely forgot that word. And thank some people still, that. even after the intro, thought it was being deliberately serious. I'm like, why do you think the sudden overdramatic music plays? Yeah, because the trailer the the first time I heard they were making a movie, I'm like, oh, that's interesting that they're doing a Weird Al biopic. Okay, and then I saw the trailer and I went, oh, this is very Weird Al. This is perfect. <laughs> and then I saw the movie and I was like, this might be the greatest biopic send up ever. Yes, this oh is amazing. <laughs> it's a shame not everyone will check it out just because they don't know how to mirror stuff on their phone onto their TV. I'm like, just yeah. Dial it up on your computer and watch it. You're gonna guffaw. Yeah, it's it was two hour college humor video. It's funny. (laughs) This is fun. I'm definitely gonna check out more of your show because, like I said, I have it saved. So I'm gonna go through and get some more episodes. And yeah, I highly recommend you guys go check him out. Support what he's doing over there at Jack the Preview Podcast. Appreciate it. It seems like a lot of fun. I was scrolling through and I was just like, comics, movie, comics, fitness. I'm like. They're running the gamut. Oh my gosh. I don't know how they do it, but more credit to you guys for doing that. Cause <laughs> I kind of just, I kind of picked the lane and I'm kind of sticking with it. So no, it's fine. I, I, the last thing I want is to just everyone be like, you sound the same in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do kind of, we do a lot of similar things, like the way we break down a movie if I don't have a cast on. But we tried to do it differently, so we have those little breaks in between with the intermissions and stuff. So we're kind of watching the movie and breaking it up in real time as we do it. So it's just something a little different as opposed to somebody coming in, reviewing a movie normally, and that's every show. Like, this is different because obviously I couldn't sit here with you and watch a two and a half hour movie and then come back to do breaks. (laughs) I wouldn't request that of any guests coming on the show because that's a lot of time commitment. Well, I applaud you. I've loved your giallo breakdowns too, because you're still seeing some people who don't understand anything about giallo or Italian uh, horror fantasy. I, I learned so much watching those, and I'm going to do it again this next January because there's so many good, there's so many giallo movies out there. Whether they're good or bad, I don't know yet. But we'll <laughs> see what happens. I've enjoyed what I saw so far. Well, that was that was a lot of fun because it was learning about a genre I didn't know a whole lot about. There, there's plenty more uh, mysteries uh, to break break the wall through. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, if you ever want to join me for any of those Jalo ones, you're more than welcome to come on. We've got some other things that sure. I want to have you on for, too, that we've discussed. I am not going to go in into past, clickbait so. mode. What does this ending mean? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's to shock you. 
but yeah, we'll definitely have you back. This has been a lot of fun, man. I appreciate it, Cameron. This has been great. I mean, anytime, man. We had a conversation just about general stuff, and I love that because it just flowed. It was just a natural conversation. I hope, man. I I see so many who will just get all caught up on just like it. Just sounds like they're arguing with themselves. (laughs) Yeah, I try not. I try not to get into that mode. I've heard people do that, and I'm like, I don't want that, man. I want people to come on here just have a natural conversation. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. we make maybe we become friends out of it. Maybe we just become podcast associates, whatever. But as long as we have a good conversation, and that's what I had here. This was this was. This is a great time. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and so. do this. Yep. And if you want to plug where anybody can find your show or anything else you have going on, the floor is yours, sir. Uh, yeah. Jack Jump Review Show can be fine on Podbean, uh, Anchor, Spotify, more. And once again, you know, we're, we're all about just summon for everybody. We don't have a Patreon because if we do it for money, then we're going to spoil ourselves. So just if, yeah, but we do take requests. So if there's just a movie or a TV franchise you want us to revisit, please let us know. If there's a music band we should check out and review their discography, please let us know that too. <laughs> nice. And I will put links to their show in the show notes. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on, man. Like I said, anytime. you are welcome back anytime. Uh, hopefully next time if we do something, I can also have my wife Leanne on and we can all talk about something a lot of fun. That would be That would be cool to do. Sure. I try to get her on, but sometimes, you know, sometimes she's up for it. Sometimes it's just like, eh, you do the interview and I'll come back on when we're doing the movie. So it's like, eh, you know, I let her let her pick and choose whatever she wants. She doesn't have to be obligated to do anything with this. So obligation. See what happens. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it, my dude. All right. I appreciate it too, man. Thanks for coming on. And everyone else, you guys keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit skewered. (laughs) 